I went to a, a different doctor years later, and when he looked over my medical history, he told me three different times. He said, this is not the outcome I would have expected. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Unseen Story. We are so glad that you're here. Thank you for listening and tuning in today. Um, today's story is super cool and is a two-parter. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tune in. Do you say tune in on the podcast? I do don't know. You, do you tune your podcast dial? Maybe. You do. You have to tune it into the right episode, <laughs> <laughs> to the right um, series. Yeah, that's funny. Or podcast funny channel. Think about. Yeah. Thanks for clicking this podcast. Yes. Uh, well, so today's story is from Suzanne. Uh, she is a titan in the faith in the Dallas, East Dallas community. Yeah. Her husband, John, is a pastor, and uh, he's told a couple stories, actually, and I will put a link if you are interested uh, to learn more about John and Suzanne and their ministry. What I like about John and Suzanne is their relationship with Holy Spirit has definitely informed and transformed their faith. Mm. And um, I think that you can't have either of their stories without the power of Holy Spirit working in and through them. So Mm -hmm. I love their stories. And I love Suzanne's. I'm so glad she shared it. Yeah, it's cool. And then just a teaser, next week's story, it'll be Passovers when it will uh, release. And it's a good prep for Easter. And it it, uh, gives you a picture of Easter Sunday, of Resurrection Sunday, of the power of the gospel of Jesus crushing Satan uh, through the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So it's worth coming back for that. And it's short and could probably be something that you listen with your family if you wanted to. Yeah. I think your kids would think it was cool. And Uh uh, And maybe a little bit funny. She's silly when she tells it. (laughs) So there you have it. Yeah. You're listening to part one of Suzanne's story. Trust me. My name's Suzanne Wallace and I have been married for 52 years. We think it's going to work. And three children and eight grandchildren. And we've just recently moved down into the hill country to be close to all of our kids and grandkids, which is a real joy. Um, The Lord has been so faithful in my life for all these years. And I really came to a full commitment to the Lord my freshman year in college and just seen him do so many things. And then in 1985, we, we kind of like to say we got ambushed by the Holy Spirit. And I would say it's been the grand adventure <laughs> since then, just seeing him really just do so many things. We're just so, so grateful. So I'm. it's exciting to be able to just share a little snippet of some of those things that he's done in my life. Well, in 1999, I went in for my a normal yearly gynecology appointment and had the appointment. And in the appointment, my 
doctor said, why didn't you get your mammogram last year? And I said, well, I did. I always get my mammogram. And he said, well, I don't have any record of it. And he said, well, you know, go get your one this year and then just let's make sure that that I get it. So the following week I had that appointment. I went and got my mammogram and left. And a few days later after the mammogram, um, I got a call back from the imaging center and they said, we need you to come back by and just get a recheck on your mammogram. It's probably, don't worry about it. It's probably nothing. It's probably just a fold on the film, but we just need to do a retake of it. And so I said, okay, good. And honestly, I didn't worry about it. I just kind of put it on my errands list with going to the grocery store and going by the pharmacy and running by and redoing my mammogram. And uh, so on the day that I went and, and had it redone, I was waiting in the room for seemed like what a really long time after the mammogram was done and finally the doctor came in and he said well there is something really suspicious on your mammogram and we want to do a biopsy and we want to do it today so I waited we did it on that day and when he finished the biopsy he said now I want to tell you he said we won't get the results back until next week, but he said, don't look for this to be benign. I can tell by looking at it that this is malignant. It was a long weekend. (laughs) It was a long week waiting for that results to come back. I was scared, just really didn't know what to expect. And so as it turned out, um, it turned out to be a rather large tumor that had migrated. Uh, It had lobes on it, it had tentacles on it, it was going places. It was in six lymph nodes of my body. I think they removed maybe 18 lymph nodes. Um, I think it was a stage three, either B or D. So it was stage four is when it's metastasized to the body. So it was it was very advanced. And when I got to that stage of, of interacting with my surgeon, I did go back and um, discovered that the mammogram that I'd had the year before at another facility had never been sent to my doctor. It had never been read. And my surgeon confirmed that indeed he could see the cancer on the films the year before. So I was sort of faced with the reality that due to an administrative error, (laughs) I had been growing cancer for a year, with at least a year, with it not being detected. But God, my two favorite words of the Bible. So in in this weekend that I was waiting and just so scared and just so distraught, waiting, waiting for the news, Um, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was on the east coast of the United States. And a woman was with me. And we both had backpacks. And they had jetpacks. And she explained to me that we were going to, by means of these jetpacks, we were going to blast off. And we were going to go across the ocean to Europe. Um, And I looked at her and I said... This is never going to work. And she just looked at me and she said, trust me. 
And looking back on it, I really believe this was a picture of the Holy Spirit. So I said, all right. And I thought, I'm going to trust her. And so we blasted off. We went across the ocean. I did what I always do when we go to Europe. I slept for the trip, so I fell asleep. And I woke up as we were falling into the ocean. And I remember as we were falling, I thought, we didn't, I knew I was right. We didn't make it. We didn't make it. But as we fell into the ocean, I looked up and there was the, I could see land not too far away. And I thought if we can just get to the land, but between me and the land was this giant whirlpool. And it was a struggle to get around that whirlpool. I remember just struggling and struggling to get around that whirlpool. But we did. We finally got around it, got to the land, got up on the land. We were going through kind of a jungle and trying to figure out where we were. And we saw a little kind of a little kiosk sort of little shack in the woods and the, the man was selling something. And we went up to him and we said, where are we? We don't know where we are. And he said, well, don't you know, you're in Malta. And this woman and I looked at each other and we just started jumping up and down and said, we're in Malta, we're in Malta. <laughs> and I woke up. <laughs> And when I woke up the next morning, I really had the sense that this dream was from God, but didn't know what it meant. And so I first thing I looked up, the word Malta actually means refuge. And then I remembered that there was a story in Acts about Malta. And I looked it up. It's in Acts 27 and 28. And it's a story of Paul when he was a prisoner and he was being transported to Rome. And they actually came upon Malta and shipwrecked. And it was a whole life-threatening situation. In fact, Paul actually told some of the shipmates they were trying to get off the ship. And he said, if you get off, nobody will survive. But because of the word that Paul gave, everybody was saved. And so they were spared. Then they came up on the shore they started a fire, and Paul reached into the fire, and a viper attached onto his hand, and everybody thought he was going to fall over dead, but he didn't. He escaped death again. So now here they've escaped death in the ship, and as a matter of fact, on the ship, the soldiers actually had a plan to go ahead and kill the prisoners, which was Paul, to make sure that nobody escaped, and a centurion advocated for Paul to let him live. And so they escaped death from the shipwreck. They escaped death from this foiled plan of the soldiers that were going to kill the prisoners. Paul escaped death from this viper that latched onto his hand. And then the rest of the account of Malta is about healing. There was a lead man in the, on the island, and his father was ill, and Paul went and prayed for him, and he was healed. And then it says this, and the rest of everyone on the island that had disease came to Paul, and they were all being cured. And so when I read this account, I thought, there's no accounts of salvation. There was no accounts of apologetic sermons or anything like that. The only account on Malta was escaping death and healing. So I took it as a real encouragement from the Lord that this is what 
he was saying to me. And as a matter of fact, in my Bible, the heading for chapter 28 in Acts says, safe at Malta. So I was trying to believe that the Lord was encouraging me that I was going to be safe. Another thing that happened shortly after that is I ran across a little booklet by um, Rick Joyner that was about the Knights of St. John. And the Knights of St. John started out in Jerusalem, and there was a, a Catholic monk that started two houses where people could come and receive medical attention and be healed. And these were the first two hospitals. And the servants that worked at the hospital and that served in the hospital became an independent order. Years later, these knights of St. John, there were different places that they gathered and lived for a number of years, but they settled on the island of Malta, and they became known as the Knights of Malta. So they were the Knights of St. John, or then known as the Knights of Malta. And they were really amazing military men, and they were credited for actually keeping the Muslims out of Europe. But their core mission was healing. And so when they would go into battle, um, after the battle was over, they would take their armor off, and they would go tend to the injured on both sides. And they would care for the injured even on the opposing side that they had just fought against. And all the military men were required to give time in the hospital, even though they were warriors. So they were, they were true warrior healers. So when I read this, I just, I felt like the Lord was really wanting to encourage me that this was really he had healing for me, but I struggled. I like I wanted to believe that. I just I just tried my best to step out on faith and really believe it. But I remember just saying to the Lord, Lord, you know, will you meet me where I am? I feel like I I'm trying to run the full way to of faith, and yet I feel like I'm just I can only make it about halfway. You know, are you willing to come and meet me? where I am in my faith journey. And I was hoping so much that he was be willing to do that, but just unsure how I could really get the full way of really believing what he was saying to me. Well, in about the sixth, seventh month of my medical journey, I had been through more chemo than normal because it was so advanced. I'd been through surgery I had been through radiation. I was getting near the end of the whole regimen. And we got a call from friends of ours that live in the Czech Republic. And they're really kind of a spiritual son and daughter. And they said, we've been missing you. And we just really want you to come visit. In fact, we'll pay for your way. If you'll come, when Suzanne gets finished with her treatment, we want you to to come for a visit. So we scheduled the trip. I honestly did not feel very good at all. It was sort of a struggle just to be able to to do all that, but it was we didn't want to miss the opportunities. And so we shortly after I finished the sort of the last radiation, we did this trip to Prague. We went, we spent a wonderful couple of weeks with our friends in in Prague and I had told them the story of the dream and all the whole journey. Well, they had said to me before you leave It's our anniversary. We want you all to celebrate our anniversary with us. And we have a special place that we want to take you to dinner. 
So we walked through the streets of Prague, went through the such a beautiful place and so such an amazing place. And we came around this corner and she said, here's the restaurant right, right in front of us. And I looked at the restaurant and on the door of the restaurant was that Maltese cross that was representative of the Knights of Malta. And it turned out that the Knights of Malta had actually come to Prague and had settled right there in that area of town. And the place where we were having dinner was the hospital where they had brought the sick. And they escorted us down through this ancient tunnel and down through the stairs to the table where we were going to be seated. And then the server came and was explaining everything to us. And right beside our table, there was an archway that you could see had been sealed up. And she explained to us that that archway was the tunnel between the, the hospital and the church. And that was where they would take the sick through this tunnel to, be, to the church to be prayed for for healing. And when we went outside the whole square, it's called Maltesia Nomnesty, which means Maltese Square. And so positioned on this square was the restaurant that used to be the hospital. Then there was this great cathedral that used to be the Maltese Cathedral, and then a statue in the center of one of the warriors. I felt like I had been to Malta. I was just so, so blown away with just that visual picture. And I was resting the day after we got home from jet lag, and I was laying on my bed, and I I just started thinking about it. And I realized, God, you actually let me walk out my dream. I, you went to a lot of trouble to actually take me where I felt like I had walked out my dream and actually it felt like I'd been to Malta. And it just suddenly washed over me that the Lord was saying, I will meet you halfway. I will take you the rest of the way because of what I will do. And I, I remember I just, I jumped up out of my bed and I planted my feet and I said, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. And I just was overwhelmed that the Lord is willing to meet us if we can just go as far as we can with our faith, that he is so willing in his mercy and his kindness that he's so willing to come and meet us right where we are. So they wanted to follow me for 10 years, um, which they did. And I, I went to a, a different doctor years later for something else. And um, when he looked over my medical history, he told me three different times, he said, this is not the outcome I would have expected from this scenario. So I, I just believe the Lord saw me through. He was the one who was the healing hand in my life. All right, so there was Suzanne's story. What uh, what do you what are your what are your thoughts? 
so I was really glad that Suzanne decided to share um, this part of her story because, you know, last week we had Becky's story, um, or last episode rather, uh, we had Becky's story and her journey started with cancer. And then, um, you know, this episode is Suzanne's story and it's breast cancer as well. And I mean, I just, it it just becomes very apparent and very clear the more that we do this, how much suffering there is in the world and that none of us can escape it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's heartbreaking. And when I think back to Becky's story, I think, man, she came to know Christ. She came to have a personal relationship with her Savior and it started through her journey with breast cancer. And she will say that she's grateful for her breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And Suzanne, when you hear her story, it's just so filled with um, power and hope and joy. And that is just not what I would expect of a cancer story. Yeah, especially <laughs> in light of hers, like the this, the administrative error. Oh man! You know that could send you reeling towards. I mean, lawsuits and resentments and bitterness and and I'm sure walking around for a year. Know, I'm sure she had to work through some of that stuff. Ooh, but yeah. But what's cool, I think, about her journey through it is just how she saw God in the, you know, like the dream and then Malta and then seeing Malta in the scriptures and then the Knights of Malta and then how that translated into Prague. And I mean, that whole journey with the Lord is such a cool testimony. It's such a... Uh, It's so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, I just think there's something, you know, it's, it's in these moments of no one wants to suffer Mm. but when you when you move through it and you see god show up there's something that just catalyzes your faith in a way that it just marks you it's like a brand it's like sears god's ability in your life in a way that well, it can right but it doesn't always i think that you know you you just based on what we've been going through lately, you tell our boys a lot, Hey, what you look for, you will find. Right. And, um, I think the beautiful thing about Suzanne's story is, um, or just that the part that she shared is that she said, God, will you meet me halfway? Like I have enough faith to get me halfway Mm. and man, that's how I feel right now. Lord, I have enough faith to get me halfway. Will you meet me the rest of the way? Mm. And the way he chose to show up for her is undeniable for her. And it's so intimate and deep. Like, she'll never forget that. She'll never forget God's presence in her life. She'll never forget God's hand in her life. And it will, like you've said, always be a marker Mm -hmm. for what is possible with God. I guess that's what I was trying to communicate. It's like there's something about suffering that catalyzes God's work in your life in in a way that... Um, it's undeniable because mm-hmm. you, you realize you've run out of your own resources mm-hmm. and you're kind of flailing around. God's got to show up and meet you halfway. And, and that him entering into your situation is what shows you. It's like the, it's the unseen story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, wow, God's real. 
Yeah. And I love what you just said too, the entering in. That's what he does. He entered into our world. He entered into our suffering. He enters into our stories. He enters in. And not only does he enter into our stories and our suffering, but he enters into us and he's with us. He's beside us in all of it. And that's powerful. That's mm. hope filled. Mm. I was wondering, she, she mentioned in the, the dream, there's a whirlpool and a jungle. Mm. And I guess I just thought that that was sort of like the struggle, you know, like mm, the wrestle, the wrestle, the sometimes there are days when we feel like we're getting sucked into the, the whirlpool, mm. you know, or mm-hmm. we can't really see We're it's like we're cutting through life with a machete or, mm. you know, things are thick in our face. We can't hardly see. And, um, but I'm sure that there are people out there that need to hear this story. Um, I appreciated it. Oh man, with, I needed it. With yeah. where we are. Yeah. And I just hope that it blesses you guys as well, that you might be in a whirlpool, you might be in a jungle, uh, Malta's just on the other side. Mm-hmm. He's with you. Yeah. Praise God. Hang on to that little bit. Hang on to that bit of truth every day. And he'll get you through. All right. We'll be back next week for part two. Love you guys. Until then. Bye, guys. Have a great week. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening. With every episode, we encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.